You're listening to The Butterfly Effect Podcast, episode number five. Today, I've brought on my good friend and local hero, Brandon Blondeau. Not only does Brandon put himself on the line to save other people, but he also enjoys all sorts of outdoor adventure activities and put up with me as his CrossFit coach for many years. So you could say he is somewhat of a brave soul. This episode of the Butterfly Effect podcast is sponsored by Blondeau First Aid. Blondeau First Aid is a licensed training partner with the Canadian Red Cross and offers on-site CPR, first aid, and AED training for corporate groups. Who better to learn about how to respond to an emergency situation than from someone who literally practices these techniques on a daily basis? Brandon has nearly a decade of education and on-the-job experience in emergency medicine. If your workplace requires training or recertification, then there isn't a more cost-effective way for your group to do it than with Blondeau First Aid. This is the Butterfly Effect Podcast, and I'm Ashlyn Newlove, tackling everything from fitness, nutrition, business, life, ice cream cones, and everything else in between to help inspire people to make one change that causes their ripple effect. Welcome to episode number five. I am a fitness and nutrition coach helping people have fun, keep fit, and reach their goals while they're at it with my online program, The Sweat Effect. I've known Brandon for quite a while now since he joined CrossFit and unknowingly wandered into one of Coach Asha's classes. For those of you who don't know me or haven't learned from listening to the previous podcasts, well, I'm kind of a tell-it-like-it-is kind of gal. I'll let Brandon tell the story of our first encounter, but needless to say, he has thick skin and even agreed to speak at our wedding when we got married under the Welcome to Las Vegas sign by an Elvis impersonator. I know, I know. I'm an onion with so many random experiences behind me, but I'm pretty sure things like this are why Brandon and I are friends. Well, hello, everyone. My name is Brandon Blondo, and I am a paramedic, outdoorsman, and small business owner. For over eight years, I have dedicated myself to my career as a paramedic. At the brisk young age of 19, I ventured out into the world of emergency services and instantly found an undying passion, no pun intended, for helping others. I have found immense meaning in providing care to people in their worst moments. Over the years, I've continued to broaden my education, and I'm now returning to school for the third time to advance my practice into the world of critical care. When I'm not at work, I choose to fill almost every second of my time adventuring out into the world and exploring just about every realm of fitness that I can get my hands on. I'm a CrossFit athlete and coach, mountaineer, thru-hiker, multi-sport competitor, and marathoner. I've been so blessed to travel all over competing in the various fitness competitions, and I've spent many hours reaching the summits of some of the world's most beautiful mountains. Ash and I go back almost four years to when I first joined CrossFit. Like many, I had almost no idea what I was getting into, and while I was in pretty good shape going in, I was terrified of how hard it was going to be. Ashlyn was one of the first coaches that I ever trained with, and our very first encounter was one that I will never forget, and was certainly a make-or-break moment in our relationship. I stumbled through the doors of Brio West and saw Coach Ash standing in front of the whiteboard. The workout included clean and jerks, which for those of you who are unfamiliar is a complex Olympic weightlifting movement. While we were warming up, Ashlyn was going around correcting people's technique, making sure everybody was moving safely, and 
very, very casually walked over to me to help me with my movement. I somewhat arrogantly informed her that I was better at this movement when there was weight on the bar. And in less than a second, with no delay, Ashlyn clapped back and said, stop, because you should be able to do this movement perfect with no weight on the bar. And at that moment, I knew that one, I had my work cut out for me, and two, I had found someone just as sassy as I was to become my friend. So Ashlyn, that encounter is actually the perfect segue into what I want to discuss with you today, and that is the topic of integrity. So when you're ready, let's dive into this and get deep. I knew that Brandon was probably going to make me laugh on this episode. He might be one of the funniest people that I know, too. (laughs) So be prepared for this, you guys. Anyways, you know how on every other podcast, people usually bring on guests to ask them questions? Well, we'll be doing a little bit of that, but I'll be bringing on guest hosts to put me under the microscope and bring topics to the podcast that interest them and to ask me all of the questions that they've been dying to know. So for once in my life... I'm going to be at the mercy of Brandon and let him run the show. So, Ash, as I mentioned just a minute ago, I want to discuss the topic of integrity with you. Now, this is something that you and I have discussed during one of our many late-night post-dinner couch conversations that often venture well past midnight. And I think that this is something your listeners can really benefit from learning more about. So I'm not going to sit here and give you Webster's definition of it, like I'm giving a graduation speech. So take a moment, describe to your listeners what having integrity means to you. Yeah, integrity is something that does mean a lot to me. I literally always do what I say I'm going to do. I never put anything out there that I'm not fully committing to. And I think that people, when they hear that, they're like, well, I never, I never do that. I, but it happens actually quite a bit. And that could be anything from something small, like, maybe you're the person who always tells your friends, yeah, we'll go for lunch. And then you always bail on them. Or um, I don't know, like for me, we know that I committed to getting my steps in and my nutrition and things like that. There is rarely ever a day that on my Fitbit, I don't hit at least 8,000 steps. That doesn't mean a lot to people, whatever. It's just a number. But I think it's those little things that make you who you are. So yeah, I, and I put some crazy things out there into the world. I'm like, I'm going to start a business or become a mortgage broker, or I'm going to give up my mortgage license. And sometimes people would think that that's just talk, just air, but I never say anything that I am not going to do. And I think that like, for you, that's become quite a normal thing for people to experience. And and it's almost to the point that I feel like people don't even question it anymore when you say that you're going to do something. It's like, you can be like, I'm going to just, you know, jump out of a hot air balloon and parachute. And people will be like, yep, you know, Ashlyn, she says she's going to do it. So let me know what time and where, and, you know, let me know how it goes. And I think the other thing to touch upon something you had already said about, you know, even if it's something small, like that builds habit in people. And I think that a lot of people don't realize that like to be a person of integrity and to have those strong moral values, that even those small habits are super important to developing that sort of lifestyle of of being true to like what it is you actually say that you're going to do. And 
that comes like integrity comes in the small things and the big things. And like when I told all my friends, I was like, Curtis and I actually want to move abroad and experience a life outside of Canada. People were like, that sounds ridiculous. And it was 100% on our radar. And yes, life does throw us curveballs. And my dad ended up getting sick. So we were like, well, we're not going to just not do anything. But then that's why we decided to move to the lake. So it was, although we couldn't move abroad, we still decided to move somewhere and do something different and just try and live life a little bit differently, which I think is another thing that people tend not to do either, maybe out of fear or, you know, people don't like change a lot, but I don't know, maybe I've started to get addicted to like living life outside the box. Mm -hmm. And I think too, like going back to with, you know, you saying your dad was, ended up getting sick and like, you know, things are going to happen in life where, you know, a plan that you made might not always come to fruition just via external sources that are out of your control. But that doesn't mean you have to give up on your dreams. Sometimes you just have to reframe them and say, okay, you know, maybe I can't, for those of you who didn't know, she wanted to move to Mexico. So maybe you can't move to Mexico, but where is somewhere that we can go that still affords me the opportunity to be abroad, you know, so to speak, and and have this adventure while still maintaining that closeness with with your family? Yeah, that is... That's exactly it. That was exactly what we did. We knew we needed a change. And that part, it wasn't even like I was feeling like I was going back on what I had put out into the world because people 100% understood why we weren't going there. And they weren't being like, oh, she said she was going to do this and she never does. I have some friends who that you'll make plans with them and you're like, they're not going to come. I know they're not going to come because they never do. Like, who wants to be that guy? <laughs> I don't want to be that guy that no one ever has faith in. And like, now we just are like, oh, yeah, we know we're going to make plans with this person. But like, let's not hold ourselves to these plans because they're probably not going to show up. <laughs> it's so funny that you say that because I was literally that person not very long ago where I would be Were like, you really? yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I would just like very like solemnly agree to things. And then when the time came, I'd be like, oh, no, I can't. I got to bath my dog or something. And, <laughs> and then I realized like one, that's like shitty for two reasons because I'm not following through with what it is I wanted to do and I'm leaving somebody out to dry so now I've like embraced it where if it's like somebody invites me to do something and I just kind of don't want to do it I'm just like no thank you yeah and it's like it's so much better because now I don't have to have this stress weighing on me of being like oh man I totally told that person I would go see you know Angry Birds movie with them and I really don't want to see that movie and now I have to find a way out of it. People respect that though. Like what's worse? I mean the one friend that I'm talking about we just know that this happens so we just make the plans very loose or with a group of people who you know are going to come with you but if you do that from time to time like the other the people on the other end are pretty disappointed. So that's why like integrity I it's it's throughout my whole life. It's in my nutrition. It is in 
me moving out of the city. It's if I say I'm going to buy a motor home, I'm going to drive it to Madison, Wisconsin. People are like, Ash is probably going to buy a motor home and drive mm-hmm. it to Madison, Wisconsin. And we did. Just take the word probably out of that sentence. And I think that's the appropriate response. Yeah. Because I think it's at the point now where people don't doubt you in any way anymore they just if you say you're going to do something they're like yep it's basically already done (laughs) so um so to build upon our last question um like i kind of mentioned i used to be that person but i've been focusing a lot on building my own sense of integrity over the last couple years and i've noticed that for myself something that has been really beneficial to me has been putting my ideas and goals out into the universe as a means of holding myself accountable And as a matter of fact, when I started my own fitness journey about seven years ago, I used Instagram as that device for maintaining accountability. And so I would chronicle my thoughts during my workouts and I wasn't shy about discussing my bad days with whoever it was that decided to read. So for you, I want to know what has been a tool or a method that you've used as a means of holding yourself accountable in your goals and maintaining your morals and and principles. Well, a lot, what a lot of people know, if they have been listening, that I did lose quite a bit of weight, but what they might not know is that Curtis was quite overweight himself as well. So when we, I think we were about maybe a year into our relationship, maybe not even, but we decided we needed to get into shape. Like we, there was, you know, too much drinking and partying happening and too much eating out. And just, we had no idea anything about our health and fitness. So we actually went on to Groupon at the time. Not many people use Groupon anymore, I don't people think. People never used it that much to begin with. So yeah, I like Groupon. <laughs> um, so we went on to Groupon and we just searched like uh, gyms or what deals were out there for like fitness programs. And one came up for CrossFit. And we were like, oh, that's a good deal. So it was 50 bucks for a month. And, you know, it said like the deal was like to do a month of CrossFit was like $150, which now that's cheap because CrossFit prices have gone up. Yeah, that's a good price these days. So we were like, oh, $100 off. That's a good deal. So we bought the Groupon and Googled what is CrossFit because I had never even heard the word. And that is a whole other story in itself. But we went and actually I sent Curtis before me because I was too nervous and I made him scope it out and he went to the class and then I went and holy shit was I sore afterwards. Like everything was sore. And I was like, okay, so this must work if my muscles are so sore that I can barely get down the stairs of our apartment building. It must work. And then as I started to go a little bit more, the people there, we got to know each other and we just made it a point of going at the same time. I'm, I always work out after supper. I always worked out in the late class. So whether it was seven or eight o'clock, um, we used to do classes on the hour back then, not on, uh, every half hour. Mm -hmm. So seven or eight o'clock, it was always the same people there. And then if you weren't going, like somebody noticed, so you kind of felt like well, I better go, even if you didn't want to. And the gym was a little bit smaller at the time. So even the staff there were like, would message you and be like, hey, I saw you were signed in for a class. So that helped keep me accountable as well. It also was the fact that Curtis was doing it too. So 
accountability. And I tell people this, like for fitness and nutrition stuff all the time, you need, if you're just starting out on in something, find someone who's interested in what you're doing too. And I'm not just saying that it only worked because it was CrossFit. It can be anything. But if you have somebody that you know is going to be disappointed, and I guess this is the integrity thing too. And maybe it worked for me because I do hold that value that someone was going to be disappointed if I didn't show up at a class. But that's one thing that I find is huge. But I do tell clients too, if social media is a great venue for you to hold yourself accountable, post things on your story and and people are like, well, I'm afraid I'm going to be annoying. And it's like, you know what? Your health is more important than you being annoying to someone who maybe isn't your friend because they're not supporting your journey anyways. So those are two awesome ways to make sure that you're doing the things that you say you're going to do. Yeah. It's it's funny that you mentioned about people being nervous that they're going to be annoying to their to their social media connections. Um, because back when I was using Instagram as that tool, we, like this was in the stone ages of Instagram, like there was no stories, there was no disappearing videos and whatnot. So if you posted something, it was just there and you could only post it on your timeline. And I had so many people come up to me over the years and be like, oh man, all you do is post pictures of you working out. And I remember I used to get really, really self-conscious and and sort of offended by it because it made me almost doubt myself for what I was doing. But then at the same time, there was people that were coming up and they're like, Brandon, like you're doing so great, man. Like I love seeing all your posts and like, it looks like you're really getting fit and things are working out for you. And I just realized over time that it was like the people that were coming up and criticizing me with this unsolicited, you know, argument that I didn't ask for were not the people that I wanted following my social media. And so I I eventually just kind of kept doing what I was doing. And if people were criticizing or what they said, oh, I'm unfollowing you because of this. So you just, you let them go because it's, they're clearly not important in your life anymore. And you need to have those people that are going to support your journey and, and, you know, keep, you know, the motivation high for you and, and, you know, be accountable to those people instead. It's funny that you say that about, well, I, I'm going to unfollow you, then do it. Yeah. Like, it's one button, buddy. You just got to push it. You, you know, know what? Like... You're not supporting my journey anyways. So just unfollow me because yeah. it's easier on you because you're now not, my stuff isn't showing up in your feed and you're in some world of hate about it. Yeah. So it's obviously decreasing your quality of life, seeing what I'm posting. And you were never a person that I'm inspiring because honestly too, people were probably following you because you were also an inspiration to them. Maybe you were helping them stay accountable to their fitness journey because you were posting things. Mm -hmm. And what I do, like I'm also trying to inspire people's health. So you know what? You're not the people that I'm inspiring either. So just unfollow me. Yeah. And and literally it's a win-win situation. Like if they unfollow you, they don't have to see your content anymore. They're not exposed to it and you don't have to deal with their negativity. So like, why would you even tell me that you're going to do it? Just do it. Yes. Like I, none of, we won't notice like yeah. other than I won't have your negativity in my life anymore. Yes. I think that is a huge thing. So you guys, if there is someone you're following that you hate, if you don't like their content, if it bothers you, just unfollow them. You know, it's not going to hurt anybody. It really isn't. And for the people that are worried that they're annoying people, 
Like, just do you. Keep doing whatever it is that you're doing. And the people that don't want to see that won't bother with following your content. And you don't need them in your life anyways. Just learn to wash them away and, and keep the people close that are going to support you. You know what I talk a lot about with clients actually like kind of on the same stream um, when they're like, well, if I have to go to a restaurant and I have to modify what I'm ordering, that will be annoying for the people that I'm sitting with. Mm-hmm. Do you know what would be annoying for the people that you're sitting with? If you're overweight and you have a heart attack, that is going to be a lot more than annoying for them because they're going to be very concerned with your health then. So if you're trying to make a change in your life, don't worry about annoying anybody because what you're doing is good for you and they care about the outcome. So if at time, yes, they have to listen to you say no mayo on your chicken sandwich or whatever it is that you're, you're making yourself healthier and then they don't have to sit there when you're sick and be so overcome with you know, guilt and grief and whatever it is that they're dealing with because you're sick, because people do care about you. So they care about you making a change in your life too. And like, the other thing too is like, you're the one eating the food. Like if you don't want mayo on your burger, don't get mayo on your burger. Like it's not like your buddy's going to reach across and be like, oh, let's trade, you know, like (laughs) you have to reach a point where it's like they're not eating your food, so they should not be caring about how you order it. That's funny that then they'll come back to me and they'll be like, oh, yeah, nobody cared that I said no cheese. No. (laughs) So (laughs) nobody cares. No, it's totally like an inner projection that I think people are nervous on the inside about it and they think that other people are paying attention and I promise you nobody is (laughs) that's very true and I say the same thing to to the athletes that I coach in the gym who are newer and and they're worried about doing a snatch in front of the group because you know maybe there's 15 people in the class and they're self-conscious about how they're moving and and a lot of the times I just pull them aside and I say I promise you no one is watching because they're worried about their own stuff. They're worried Mm -hmm. about their own snatch. And so all of that doubt that you have in your mind about what you're going to look like when you're doing it, I'm the only one watching and I'm watching because I'm here to help you. I'm not here to criticize you. It's funny that you say that too, because someone's like, oh my God, I was snatching and I fell over. I fall over sometimes. All the time. (laughs) (laughs) I can snatch 170 pounds. Sometimes I fall over. I literally came here from the gym and I think I fell. We snatched today and I think I fell probably six times. I mean, yeah. It's just like, so it's like you can be doing this forever and yeah. still fall sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, <laughs> let's move on. In episode one, uh, you featured uh, one of our other FitFam members, Courtney Berg of vitality nutrition and you mentioned that consistency is a very unsexy word and when I heard that it got me thinking about what like what does that mean to me and so what I came up with was that consistency requires commitment and I don't believe that you can have one without the other I believe that being a person of integrity and having those strong moral pillars requires commitment to what it is that is important to you and I know that you are no stranger to people questioning your goals and at times offering this unsolicited criticism of your plans. So with all of that being said, how have you learned to stay true and stay consistent in the most trying of times? And what advice would you offer to your listeners for developing their own sense of fortitude? 
Well, sometimes like when life is crazy, it's nice to have some stability in it. Um, for So for example, when we were moving, it was craziness. We were trying to sell our house. We were trying to get everything packed up and move to the lake. There was a lot of things going on. But my fitness and nutrition are that one constant thing that I know that I have complete control over that can kind of bring everything together for me when some things might be, and I don't want to use the world like spiraling out of control, but, and other people feel more overwhelmed during sometimes than others do. Mm-hmm. But when, when you seem like you can't get a grasp on things, what I know for certain is that being consistent with my fitness and nutrition helps me feel like a better person. And when I say feel like a better person, it just I feel good. I feel good. I like portray that into the world as well. And it just brings everything back down to ground for me. So when people are like, oh, I was moving. So I just, you know what? I just ate whatever I wanted. And I quit going to the gym because I didn't have time to do those things that those don't make me feel good about myself. So if I'm already super busy with, you know, trying to sell our house, get everything packed up, Curtis is at work. So I'm doing this stuff all on my own, which don't get me wrong. I'm the kind of person who is a get shit done person. So sometimes you can't be in my path of <laughs> construction anyways because new love warpath yeah (laughs) i'm just like bowling things over so sometimes it's better if curtis is at work anyways but yeah that one constant that i know that i have complete control over is my nutrition and i feel better when i get to the gym so it relieves stress it you know and although i may not have been going five times a week and doing any additional lifting or anything still going four times and seeing the people there because that's important too that helped me ground myself so maybe we can you know repackage this for the people that will say maybe are not avid gym goers and say that you know when these times in your life happen where things as you said kind of feel like they're spiraling it's important to remember something that you know, is a consistent thing in your life that you can do to just give you that sense of routine back. So maybe it's reading your book for 20 minutes before bed or writing in your diary the first moment that you wake up in the morning. You know, it doesn't necessarily have to be nutrition or gym or or these, you know, physical things. It can be something that, you know, maybe you need to clean your house to feel that sense of routine again. And, and it's important to remember that when things are getting out of control, you can always step back and focus in on that one thing that makes you feel like you are in control. For sure. And that comes down to wellness, I think, in general. That's not fitness or nutrition. It's your your wellness. So that's your, your mental health as well. And people reading, journaling, um, seeing friends, those types of things can all bring them back to center. Uh, as long as I feel like your general wellness is being taken care of, then it kind of makes everything seem a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. But that being said, because I am a fitness and nutrition coach, I feel like there is some sort of like physical activity out there that you can do. And I'm not saying it has to be CrossFit or the gym. It could be just going for a bike ride or a walk or something like that, where it is also benefiting 
your health. Yeah, you're getting a two for one out of it, right? Yes. And then it's still like you can't do something if you're doing all of these things that you find are annoying and that just starts to add up to, right? If if going to the gym is a chore, adding that to an already super stressful time, you need to find something else instead. Yeah. Your obligations will inevitably crumble if you don't feel dedicated to them. For sure. So, okay, so to put you a bit just on the spot then, in regards to this concept of fortitude, what is an aspect of it that you suck at? And what are you trying to do to change that? I talk about the struggle with doubting my own personal fitness. And this is really weird for me to say because I don't actually talk about this a lot with people, but I'm still too unconfident to do an individual local competition, which actually is crazy for a lot of people because I love competing and I make a lot of excuses that are very convincing to people. I say things like, I really love in working out with my friends and competing with my friends. Which is true. Which is true. Yeah. And I do. I love it. And I don't love having just the spotlight on me. And that's why I love Olympic lifting and I'm pretty decent at it. But I did one a meet once when I was fresh, fresh, fresh into CrossFit. I've seen the videos. <laughs> I am better with my technique now. <laughs> but like, okay, so it's deathly quiet in there and you go and you get to do your one lift. And I just have this fear of missing all of my lifts in front of a group of people where I'm the only one on the stage. And it goes the same for a local competition as an individual. I don't know why, because someone has to come in last. Yeah. And I don't think it would be me. I honestly don't think it would be me. And I can confidently say, I do not think that I would come in last, but It is putting yourself in this position where maybe people are watching you struggle with something that you're not good at, things like that. It's crazy to listen to because I'm a super confident person, but those two situations make me feel very unconfident. And it's weird because I am literally the exact opposite of you in that matter. So is Curtis. Yeah. If you went back to my intro, every thing that I said I did for an activity, they're all, for the most part, individual sports, triathlon, marathon running, mountaineering for the most part, like those are all individual activities. And I get crazy anxious when I'm on a team with people and the workouts get posted a week before and and people are wanting to practice and I'm going, oh my God, what if I can't deadlift 315? And like my deadlift is like almost you know, it's like 450 pounds. Like I can deadlift 315 easily, but I get this this weird sense of doubt in my mind that I'm going to let my team down for whatever reason, in for reasons that aren't even valid. Yeah, and I always felt like the pressure of having a team made me better. I never like stopped. I never second guessed myself because I was doing it for my team or the other person or whatever. I always ended up doing some sort of PR or doing something better than I ever had. So it also had such a positive impact when I was doing team things. 
Curtis, on the other hand, is like you. So with him, he's like, I'm okay if I have to come in last place. It teaches me what I need to get better at. Mm -hmm. It makes me hungry. Whereas I'm the opposite. I'm like, you know what? If I'm not confident in something, I'll tell my partner about it. But I generally will do better at it than I ever thought I was going to do. So weird. Yeah. This is just one of the many ways that we're so different and <laughs> you also any all of those things that you said it's like you have to put yourself into this like uncomfortable state for like such extended periods of time that sounds horrible to me <laughs> which is funny because ashlyn's like the thing that she hates most in the world is hiking and if you ever want to hear somebody complain ask her about the time she had to go hiking it was one time in Asia, they hiked a volcano, and she literally made it sound like they were carrying the ring to Mordor. My toenail fell off <laughs> afterwards. <laughs> and, like, hiking is my thing. Like, this is the one thing in my life that it's like, I love it so, so much. And any day of the week, I feel like I can get up and go crank out a good hike. We all fell. The <laughs> volcano had old lava. That's part rock. of it. <laughs> we all fell. I scraped my elbow. <laughs> um, also, we're the friends that we travel with, Ryan and Jasmine. Um, they're awesome people because they will listen to me complain on these hikes. But we're going to Maui in November. And I was like, okay, you guys, I'm going to put this out there. I'll do another hike with you. And they were like, oh, my God. <laughs> Record scratch. Yeah. <laughs> They are they are much better people than I am because I would just leave you on the mountain if you were being like that. I'd be like, you're on your own. You'll probably live. <laughs> I'll see you back down at base camp. <laughs> They're very caring individuals. <laughs> so I think that that last question can lead us well into a topic that you and I often discuss, and that is doing things that you don't like. And obviously, you know, we're not sadists, but you have to be able to recognize that the things you don't like, you know, you have to do them sometimes as a means of bettering your future. And oftentimes when I tell people my goals, um, you know, they're often tough goals. They're not things that, you know, you can wake up any day and accomplish. And I met with these confused looks and, and questioning my goals and suggesting that I'm ridiculous for wanting to do it. And I think you and I share this similarity in that, you know, we agree that life is not all sunshine and rainbows and that sometimes to reach your goals, you have to do things that you don't like. So what's your approach to this? How do you find the courage to accept this reality? Uh, well, actually recently this happened. So someone was questioning about my nutrition habits and they made the comment and said, I just can't measure out my salad dressing. Like it was such a tedious task that I was doing. But what I felt like they weren't looking at was the whole picture. And maybe back years ago when I started, you know, weighing and measuring my food and tracking it, maybe it was something super tedious that I hated doing. I'm sure it was because mm -hmm. I was used to eating whatever I wanted, whenever I wanted. And now I was going to weigh and measure my food and follow a specific plan. So I'm sure I hated it. But the bigger picture was, is that I was taking care of my health. It wasn't about looking good in a bikini or anything like that, but it was about my health and setting it down the right path. So I don't know, I guess 
this is where that time that you told me about one of your hikes and your shoes or your boots gave you a really bad blister. What did you even call that blister? Oh, I, so on a hike last year, I ended up getting pressure ulcers on both of my heels, which is basically like a blister that caverns into your foot. <laughs> like it's, it's not good. It's a bad situation. So that to me sounds horrible. <laughs> okay. But same thing. It's a bigger picture thing. So I'm like, I could go hiking and get all those gross blisters. But for you, you have this sense of achievement when you're finished. For me, when I'm following my nutrition program, and although someone might find it tedious, I feel good about myself in the end, which is all that really matters, as we talked about. But I actually wrote a blog post about this. It was called Burpees Don't Like You Either. Because everybody, that's like the one thing that people always say that they hate is burpees. Okay, well, I do things now for my health. I don't love burpees. I am more comfortable with them now than I ever was, but I don't love running either. Brandon's like, I love running and I love body weight activities. <laughs> I would rather throw myself under a 200 pound clean than go for a long distance run or something like that. However, we all have to do things in our life that we don't like because they're good for us. And I know people are probably like, well, that's not true. And you can argue with me because I think that that is true. And I would rather spend my time now doing the uh, things from time to time. And I'm not saying that I am, you know, I dread what I do or I hate what I'm doing every day. I don't, but I might do something that's a little annoying to myself every day. But in the long run, my longevity my health is more important than being a little uncomfortable for 10 minutes of my day. Absolutely. So for the CrossFitters listening to this, I'm going to call you out cherry picking workouts. That's true. Because there's a lot of times that I'll open up, you know, the website to see what the workout is. And there's something on there that I am bad at. And heavy weightlifting is a bad one for me. Um, but I know that if I'm going to get better overall, I have to go and at least try. And, you know, disclaimer, if, you know, you've got some severe mobility issues or you're working through an injury and, and something pops up that you know that it's not going to be good for your health in the short term, if you go and do that, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about normal circumstances when you see a workout and you go, ugh, I don't like that. I'm not going to go. Is that the right decision? that you're making at that time? Or is that visceral because you're seeing something that you don't like and, and immediately avoiding it? Well, and that's the thing for me now. Okay, so I would, if it was a long workout, so I'm talking over 20 minutes long and people are probably like, I do hour long workouts all the time. It's different than um, going and doing an hour long workout or even an hour long run. But for me, it was longer workouts and ones that had a lot of running in it. Now I actually look at those and I'm like, I have to go do that because I'm a bad runner. And my, my those those people that we travel with, they actually own a fishing camp in northern Saskatchewan. So we don't see them for six months of the year. And he came back after he's a he's a pretty fit individual. And he came back after his summer away. And I was doing this workout where I ran it was like 400 meter runs in it. And he was like, Ash, you ran all 400 meters and you didn't even stop to walk. And I was like, that's awesome. And then I thought back and I was like, 
that's embarrassing for me because I just wasn't trying. It wasn't that I couldn't do it. I just didn't like it and wasn't trying. You were letting that negativity direct your workout. Yes. I was like, I don't like this. I need to walk. I'm a little bit uncomfortable. So it wasn't that I couldn't do it because I do understand that, you know, that is a limiting yeah. factor for, for some a lot people. of people. Yeah. Yeah. I was just being a little bitch about it, honestly. Yeah. And and I, I always think that when you go and do those things that are hard for you or maybe you just don't want to do them, you always learn something about yourself in the process. You know, if it's a workout, if it's... Um, an you know, individual competition. An individual <laughs> competition. Like you will you will have a moment where you'll realize like, okay, this is not what I made it out to be in my head. I'm stronger than this. Look at me. I, you know, in your case, I ran 400 meters without stopping through that whole workout. And, you know, to go back to that story about being in the mountains and getting those things on my feet, we were 50 miles from any sort of civilization. And I was faced with this, 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 problem where it was like okay I need to get out of these mountains somehow what am I gonna do and I could not put my feet back in those boots to save my soul and it was the most excruciating pain I've ever been in in my life and so what I opted to do was tie my boots to my bag and I hiked like a long ways out of the high Sierra mountains in California in Sinuks and this is me. I'm like, I bet the fascia in the bottom of your feet were really sore after that. <laughs> and they were. <laughs> but I learned that this was something I was capable of. I was posed with a situation where I was actually in some danger. My feet were infected. I had to get to safety somehow. And, and you know, I did it. I, I, was, I didn't know if I could and I was able to, to kind of get through it. We're total opposites. <laughs> <laughs> in case that's not inherently apparent. Um, so on the flip side of doing things that you don't like, let's discuss happiness. And you've recently made a lot of moves, literally, figuratively, in your life to expand your happiness. And while there's many ways to do it, one of the most vital ways that I've found promise in creating my own happiness has been in removing things from my life that no longer bring me that happiness. And a good example of that is just as of a few weeks ago, I deleted Facebook and I realized it was no longer bringing me happiness. It was causing this unnecessary stress in my life for no reason. And so I decided it was just time to, you know, let it go. So what's your approach to recognizing when something no longer suits your state of happiness and how do you go about removing it? This one was a hard one for me, but I really embraced it in this past year so there were a quite, a f quite a few different things that I needed to evaluate to see if they were actually adding any value to my life. Now, there were some menial things, there were some important things, but, and I liked the way that one of my, Jess actually, she was one of the previous hosts, we were having a conversation once and she had said, you know, that that person is just one of those people who dull your shine. Why do I want to be around somebody who dulls my shine, who doesn't bring out the best in me, who I hate being around, or they say things that are annoying or hurtful, or that's not making my life any better. So things as, you know, I honestly, 
I don't scroll the Facebook feed very often anymore because I feel like some people really get down some rabbit holes on there that maybe aren't benefiting the greater masses. So there's things like social media that I evaluated, but there was also relationships, friendships, work, things like that, that I all evaluated as well and kind of put it on a scale of what was making me feel fulfilled and what was bringing me down. And the things that were bringing me down, they had to go. That's hard for people. And it was hard for me in the beginning, but I had to realize that the negativity that it was causing was greater than the happiness. And I didn't have room for that in my life. I don't have time for this negativity. And that was a thing that I was saying a lot um, during that phase when I was working on cutting those things out. It's hard to cut a person out of your life, but you have to look at it as, okay, it's going to be hard for this time right now. But in the long run, if they are holding me back or, you know, bringing down my happiness, then that's kind of what has to happen. It's you either be unhappy or you do something about it. Yeah, that's right. I listened to this podcast a while ago, um, similar to the to the format of, of this one. And there was a, a, a gal on there uh, by the name of uh, Cleo Wade. And she's an author, a poet, an activist. And she's this really, really inspirational person that I just kind of stumbled upon. And she said something in the podcast that really stuck with me. And she made this statement about, you know, the happiest people are not the ones that you see that are always in a good mood. The happiest people are the ones that realize that life has highs and it has lows. And the happiest people are the ones who accept that and are willing to, you know, ride the highs, embrace the happiness, but also make actionable change in the lows and recognize that, you know, one, it's a part of life. And two, you need to get out of that somehow. And, and bring yourself back up into that, that happiness zone. And, you know, something as simple as deleting Facebook can make such a big difference in your life in that aspect. It was like, it was something that you felt you had to do because you've been doing it for so long and because everybody else was doing it. Yep. But it was actually making you more annoyed having it around and taking it out of your life it didn't affect anything. Literally nothing has changed. No. It's been three weeks and like, I can't think of one thing that has changed in my life. And and it, it's funny because I had this, I had this thought in my mind that I was just going to start missing out on so many things because I didn't have Facebook anymore. And when I got rid of it, I realized I'm like, nobody uses Facebook events anymore. Yeah. Like people just group chat, they text, they still make a phone call on your texting device if they feel like it. <laughs> so I've literally missed nothing as a result of, of deleting this. And there was one group in Facebook that was important for, for my job that I was a part of. And all I had to do was text the organizer of it and be like, Hey, I got rid of Facebook. Can you please keep me up to date? via text message of when these seminars are going on. And she goes, absolutely, no problem. <laughs> That's all it took, literally. <laughs> I did forget to tell you this. Um, so our friend Janine likes to tag us in dog memes. And last week, <laughs> she's like, I tried tagging Brandon in a dog meme, but I it wouldn't work. I was like, oh, yeah, he's not on Facebook anymore. That's what you're missing, dog memes. Janine, I'm sorry. <laughs> I love the dog memes. Just screenshot them, send them my way, and I will send you the, you know, 
the ha 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 back as a text message. Laughing cry face yeah, emoji. That's right. <laughs> I'm good for those ones. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> right. So uh, moving on, we're talking about creating happiness. What is something that you can do on a down day that is like a surefire way of bringing this sense of happiness back into your life? For me, and people are going to think, oh, she's probably going to say going to the gym, which is a great way of, you know, relieving stress. Mm -hmm. But for me, it's actually being with friends or talking with friends. Um, We have a group chat, Brandon and I, uh, Curtis and a couple of our other friends. That's an awesome way Whenever, if I call you to, if I'm having a bad day, what is it that I always start the conversation off with? It's like, I got to let it go. (laughs) And I'm on the other end of the phone, like, bring it on. (laughs) I'll call Brandon and I'll be like, I have a story for you. And he's like, oh, here we go. Let's get into it. (laughs) But yeah, talking to my friends and, you know, telling them what's going on with whatever you know, is bringing me down, that usually is my go-to. And, you know, if there's something we all know when someone's having a time where they don't want you to reason with them, I just want you to 100% agree with me. Brandon knows that. He's one of my go-to people that I call when I'm having a day. I got your back, buddy. (laughs) All the time. (laughs) People are going to be like, oh, so she just calls him bitches about things. Well, yeah, but I don't know. I just feel better when I get things off my chest. That's like I the guess. first two minutes of an hour long conversation, though. Yeah. It's like you just got to get it out. And then it's like, so what's up? How are things? You know, what's yeah. going on? And I I do the exact same thing. And, and I got to give a shout out to my parents for this one, because my parents are those people that if I'm down and and something's you know, squirrely in my head and I got to get it off my chest, I'll phone them. And my dad is so actually both of my parents for that matter, they're so methodical and they're so logical with their reasoning and they'll listen to what it is I have to say. And they have such this pragmatic approach to, you know, helping me through whatever problem I feel like I may be having. And, you know, sometimes it's good to have that person where you just say, I just need to complain about this for two minutes. And I literally did that with my mom yesterday over an incident at Costco. (laughs) But, (laughs) you know, uh, there's other times when you phone and and you just need somebody to hear what's going on and give you an answer whether or not you want to hear it or not. Well, you need to start off the conversation with them agreeing with you. And then once you've calmed down a little bit, you're like, am I being crazy? Yeah. And that's when they can tell you, yeah. you know, maybe you are being a little bit ridiculous about the lady in the lineup who had half her groceries through the, I don't even know what the incident was. I'm just like making <laughs> oh. up a story right now. But, you know, like, were you being ridiculous? And you'd be like, ah, yeah, but it really annoyed me. And maybe that wasn't even the thing that was going on in your life at the time that like, it just was what set you off. But yeah, you need a sounding board and yeah just being with friends and that's that when we were talking about accountability before that's why I do like going to the gym um, is just seeing people as well we have a full setup in our garage I don't have to go anywhere I can literally do everything there but I still I drive into North Battleford and just to see people and I also work from home so there could be days where I don't see anyone. You got to get out of the cave, man. I, I do. So yeah, that's, I guess, the short answer to it is friends. Beautiful. Um, so obviously, you feel quite strongly about 
creating your best life. And, and that's actually that phrase, creating your best life was something that I originally heard from you. Um, so was there like a singular moment that sparked this pursuit or was it something that has developed over the years? Like, I guess I just spend a lot of time wishing for things. And I think people get into the habit of wanting things or even saying to other people that they're jealous of what they have. You can't, nobody can be jealous of what I have because I took that saying that living my best life and I put it to action. So instead of always just wishing that, you know, I had this life that I wanted, I did it. And obviously what I do is different than what other people do. And not everyone can, you know, get up, move to the lake. It also has to do with your, you know, however your job and family and things like that are. But I had actually watched The Secret on Netflix. And this was a couple of years ago. And some people probably think that it's just like, you know, crazy Hippie voodoo. <laughs> yeah, but it resonated with me. I loved the message and I loved the idea that putting things out into the world that you wanted to achieve will start to come back to you. And that's literally what I kind of do. I put out into the world what I want to receive back to me. And it's not as simple as like, I wish I had a Mercedes. And then I just think about having a Mercedes. That's not how this works. Which just as a caveat, I think a lot of people that read The Secret, that was their interpretation of it. <laughs> They're like, I want a million dollar home and a Porsche and a supermodel wife. And then they posted that on their board. And yes. then two years later, they're like, where is my Porsche? So I did start myself a board. And then I started working towards those goals. So I had a vision board. I started working, but they're not going to show up. It wasn't because there are some points in the secret where they're like, I had it on my board that I was going to live in a mansion. And then... Five years later, I found my board in a box and there was a mansion on it and I was living in a mansion. It was like, well, there were some steps. <laughs> I feel like there were some extenuating circumstances that might not have as much to do with the vision board. Yes. So that is the, but the secret did play a role in putting out into the world thoughts that I wanted to achieve. Mm -hmm. And when I started thinking more and more about what made me happy versus what was affecting me negatively, I started to explore the what if I didn't have that in my life anymore. I spent a lot of time complaining about those things. So why was I putting myself through them? Why did I keep doing things that weren't having a positive impact? It's weird because I feel like people get stuck in this pit where they fully recognize that there's things in their life that don't make them happy. But when you ask them, like, what are you doing about it to, to change that? It's crickets, you know, like you just, you don't hear anything back. And I, I guess I'm, I'm on the same path you are in that I'm, I'm coming to learn that, like you said, you don't have to have those things in your life that if they're not making you happy anymore, why are you doing it? And when you stop and ask yourself that question of like, what is the actual reason why I'm continuing to, you know, let's say be in this relationship that I'm not happy in. Why? It, what is the fear that's holding you onto, you know, that thing that you're holding onto? And what, what happens if you let it go? What can I do to change the situation 
to make myself benefit in other areas. And that's the truth. It's It might not just be you make one change in say your relationship, but that could affect so many other areas of your life as well. And if you're not kind of actively pursuing your goals and dreams and hopes and all of those things, how are they, you're just expecting them to happen for you? And perhaps maybe a really good, you know, analogy for this is if you're drowning in the ocean and you're holding on to your favorite stereo from when you were 10 years old and you're afraid of letting it go because it's going to sink to the bottom of the ocean. If you don't let it go, you're going to drown. Like that thing's going to pull you down to the bottom of the ocean and that's where you're going to die. What happens if you let it go? You get to the surface, you live, and now you get to move on with your life without that thing that, that was weighing you down. Yeah. And my favorite Brian Adams CD from the nineties. <laughs> Which, like, I, Brian I just, Adams, if you're listening, love your music, dude. That was one of my first CDs. Mine was Chumba Wumba. So, oh, yeah, you're younger than I, I am. <laughs> I can't quite relate, but Tub Thumping was blasting in my room when I was eight. So, mom, I'm sorry about that one, too. <laughs> so, uh, we've, we've gone down a pretty deep rabbit hole here. Um, so, I want to bring us back to center for a moment. And so I've got some rapid fire questions for you. Um, So Ashlyn has not seen these. So here we go. You only get to choose one. There's no like, well, I choose this, but, you know, maybe I can find a way to work this in too. Okay. Okay. I'm ready. Nap or coffee? Coffee. Here's a big one. A cone or a monster? (gasps) Oh. (laughs) monster this is the straw that broke the camel's back (laughs) that was really hard for me and i try to like hide my i i drink some energy drinks every once in a while but i'm sorry yeah i would choose the monster those purple monsters look at you (laughs) okay so getting your steps in or tidying up your to-do list steps oh fast okay um vegas or hot holiday Oh, man, I love both of those so much. Vegas. Vegas. Okay. What's the rationale behind that? I don't know. That's like Vegas is that place that all the magical things happen. And if I got to stay there for a long period of time, I feel like it would be a little bit different of a holiday than it tends to be. But I got married there. I've celebrated two big birthdays there, like my 30th and my 35th. And it's just... There are some crazy things that happen in Vegas. We literally, um, Ashlyn and I and Curtis and Courtney and Courtney's sister Hillary just about two months ago went to Vegas for Ashlyn's 35th birthday. And the things that happened to us on that trip, like I believe in good karma and I believe in like if you're a good person, good things happen to you. And just being a nice person yields reward. And like we met some awesome people on that trip yep. just just by the sake of being happy and just having a good time. And like that would not have happened if we were not fostering this mentality of creating happiness. I fully believe that. I agree with that too. Like we drew in some people and like <laughs> we sound like we were like... Oh, we just had a lovely time by the pool. (laughs) Like, let's be real. It was pretty crazy. But yeah, you get to meet these people because of the vibe you're putting out. 
And I totally believe that if you put out this aura there, you're going to attract some cool people and the situations that occurred from those you can't even explain some of them. And it's amazing the people that you can meet and that can come into your life, even just for a brief period of time, that that enter when you just make yourself approachable, when you take down that shield of like, don't talk to me, I don't know you. If you've got a smile on your face and you're dancing and having a good time, people want to share those moments with you, even if they don't know you. Yeah, like one tidbit of information I came across was a man who worked for the Tide Pod Company they're coming out with a new formula, you guys, so that the Tide Pods won't get stuck on your clothes. In <laughs> you know, if you use Tide Pods, what happens? The pod packaging kind of like sticks on your clothes in the wash. They're fixing that. To Bet the, you didn't know that. To the Tide Pod guy, I hope Ashlyn didn't just reveal a big company <laughs> secret. <laughs> he had had a couple drinks at this yeah. point. I don't know if it was a secret or not, but now you guys know about it. If you get fired, I'll give her your address and you guys can sort this out <laughs> later on. All right. One more of these rapid fire ones. Uh, lake life or travel life? Travel life. Because I feel like I can incorporate my lake life into that travel life. Oh, but I said you can't have both. Well, don't choose things that can be similar <laughs> then. You really got me on the the cones or the energy drink. I knew that was the one. That was actually the question that made me think about these rapid fire questions because I was like, man, what if she had to get rid of one of those? Because like, I think you love those two things maybe a little bit more than you love Curtis. I'm not afraid to say that I do. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I love those questions. Nobody's done a rapid fire with me yet. So that was so different. <laughs> I've been packing this for months. <laughs> um, Ashlyn, thank you so much for having me on the show. And, you know, it's certainly not uncommon for us to sit and talk like this, but having the opportunity to share this, you know, with your listeners has been something that I've been really looking forward to. And I want to sign off by leaving you all with a quote that changed my life. And, you know, we discussed integrity and fortitude and, and sort of this overall umbrella of creating your happiness today. And I think that the author and creator of Calvin and Hobbes, uh, Bill Watterson, summed up the best. And he says, creating a life that reflects your values and satisfies your soul is a rare achievement. In a culture that relentlessly promotes avarice and excess as the good life, a person happy doing his own work is usually considered an eccentric, if not a subversive. Ambition is only understood if it's to rise to the top of some imaginary ladder of success. Someone who takes an undemanding job because it affords him the time to pursue other interests and activities is considered a flake. A person who abandons a career in order to stay home and raise children is considered not to be living up to their potential, as if a job title and a salary are the sole measure of human worth. You'll be told in a hundred ways, some subtle, some not, to keep climbing and never be satisfied with where you are, who you are, and what you're doing. There are a million different ways to sell yourself out, and I guarantee you'll hear about them. To invent your own life's meaning is not easy, but it is still allowed. And I think you'll be much happier for the trouble. Oh, I love that. 
Thank you so much for coming on here and being our first male representative on the Representing. show. Representing. Yeah. <laughs> and as always, I have to thank the guys at Contrast Recording for recording another amazing episode with me. If you enjoyed the episode, all I ask is that you screenshot it and share it on your Instagram story or feed to show your love. This way, the show can continue to grow and expand its listeners. The show exists because of sponsorship, so in order for me to have sponsors support it, it needs to have a following of subscribers and ratings. Taking the time to share it with your followers will totally help keep it thriving. If you're interested in sponsoring an episode, please get in touch with me and I can give you all of the details so we can start working on promoting and advertising your business. Head over to my Instagram page at sweat underscore effect for all of my insights, experiences, and daily dose of goodness. Until next time, keep on having fun and keeping fit. <laughs>